to you guys starts in 3, 2, 1. Hi, I'm the robot that snug as a bug, Cumblebee. I'm Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sweet little boy who lives in my cool dad's chest, Gigi. <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing. I'm not even in this episode. <laughs> Fantastic. You're so charismatic. You're so Jordan. great, Jordan. You don't even need us. As you I said, I'm try I'm trying to like uh have like the personality of like the barefoot contessa. Like I just wanna be like someone that like when they hear me, like they'd be okay with me cooking breakfast for them. <laughs> <laughs> just you just running a bed and breakfast? Well, no bed, just breakfast. Man, we just let people at bed and breakfast make our breakfast. I'm okay with it. Though. They could poison I'm us. I guess I'm not, I'm not thinking about poisoning. I'm thinking about biscuits. I'm thinking about your biscuits. I'm thinking about them big old biscuits. <laughs> big old Ed Grimley biscuits. Let's get into the episode, shall we? Absolutely. Uh, fuck, how do we usually start one of these? Let's just get going. Uh, Ironhide. Shockwave is back, baby! Oh my he god, sure I knew this. Is. I knew this was gonna be the first thing that came up. He's back oh, and better than ever. Pink Queen is back! <laughs> we get a lot of Ratchet in this episode, and I was gonna say that Jordan was gonna be excited for that if it wasn't for the fact that Shockwave is full force in this episode. Shockwave is, as you have, as you said, uh, in the first episode, Shockwave just runs Cybertron now. <laughs> he's just large and in charge, isn't he? Absolutely. And he's bossing Megatron around, and it is such a great, great moment for all of us clean queens out there. Okay, now you say that, but let's get into it. Let's, you know what, we're here, let's talk about Megatron and, uh, Shockwave, shall we? Absolutely. Um, okay, so... I love how happy Megatron is to see Shockwave. <laughs> they're, just, they're so happy to see each other over the big screen. You Megatron was me in that moment. <laughs> you two got such a different interpretation of their relationship than I did. What did really? What did, you, what did you think it was, Juice? I got such a different thing. Well, I, I guess it's more the en near the end of the episode we get how I feel about their, their relationship. Which is, um, Shockwave's relationship with Megatron to me felt like Megatron was like some kind of boyfriend that didn't value uh, Shockwave's time. Like, Shockwave keeps calling him being like, hey, hey, you gotta be ready. You gotta be <laughs> oh, yeah. ready, right? You're gonna and be ready. And Megatron's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be ready, don't worry. And, and then with this boy is like, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. But he's with his boys, and at the end, he accidentally fucking falls in the damn thing. <laughs> well, well at, the, at the end, there's sort of, um, there's sort of this beautiful uh, queer irony where Megatron is reunited with, with uh, Shockwave, 
but all he wants to do is get back to his ex, Optimus. This is true. I just, I don't know. I don't think, I just interpreted uh, Megatron's relationship with Shockwave as, like, an ex, not, no, not an ex, as someone that, like, a boyfriend that didn't value their time. Well, Megatron is just toxic. Just, uh, just a toxic person. <laughs> Personality. Um, I would um, definitely, although, I will agree with you two, it is the best relationship that Megatron has. Oh, absolutely. He Well, I, I have actually... I feel like him and Soundwave have, have some nice tender moments here. They do, but Soundwave is almost like... Almost, like, entirely obedient to Megatron. Yeah, that's pretty much their entire relationship. Um, I, I, I felt that, but then in this episode, when Megatron turns himself into a gun for the first time, he lets Soundwave hold him. Is this the he, first time we've ever seen him turn into a gun? You know what? Don't matter. It don't matter. Because the Keep first, going. <laughs> the first three episodes are so far away, in my mind. Yeah. Um, but the bottom line is that he does transform himself into a gun. Um, and allows himself to become, therefore, an extension of Soundwave. It's kind of this strange um, power dynamic shift. I will say... I didn't really expect. Um, Is that when they uh, close the cave? Uh, that is later, when he gets when he allows himself to be held by Starscream as a gun. Okay, I was going to say, it's... I thought that was Starscream. There is something... There's something real interesting about Megatron being this really controlling, toxic person, and he turns into something that has to be used. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was so... To me, that was some of the most interesting uh, queer imagery in this episode, uh, was this relinquishing of control by Megatron in these two instances, with Soundwave, who he does seem to have a pretty strong relationship, tender with, and also be held by Starscream, whose relationship with him is just absolute, just chaos. Did you know that, um... This Megatron's dead! I'm the leader now! Oh my god! Follow can me! We, can we talk? Wait, 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 before we get to that, I don't think we're done. It was literal seconds! Seconds! <laughs> uh... I was just gonna say I don't think we're done with Shockwave and Megatron because it's. I mean, we're we're never done with Shockwave, really. <laughs> All I was gonna say is that um. An interesting thing is that Shockwave's alt mode is also a gun. I don't know if they. Did, we didn't see that form in this episode, though, did we? No, we see that in the very first episode where he's kind of, mm -hmm. where he's like a cannon-sized gun, but when he was sold as a toy, he is like a ray gun. Right. Okay, so there's there's some, well, it's not lineage between him and, and Megatron, but, but there's there's commonality. There's commonality. There's something between them, yeah. uh, and they, maybe they that's bond over being guns. Maybe that's why it's the healthiest relationship that we mm. see on the Decepticon side. Although I will say, and this is the last point I'll make about those two, which is, at the end, also at the end there. Aside from not valuing Shockwave's time, Megatron almost seems to sound like he's calling uh, Shockwave a little needy for calling so much. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there is some push and pull. Um, but, well, it seems like Megatron has sort of 
revealed the kink in his armor, which is Optimus. He cannot let this go to the point where it's actually impeding his professional goals in a very, very noticeable way. Yeah, actually, wait, in my notes, um, yeah, you said, uh, there, you said there's a tender moment when he gets back to Shockwave, and it's literally a tender moment because Shockwave's quote is, Megatron, what happened? Yeah. When he walks through the door. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, okay, it's a little sweet. It's a, okay, I see, it's a no, little. No, 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 But yeah, you're definitely <laughs> right that the kink in his armor is, uh, is his ex. So, yeah. so do you want to talk about his ex and talk about him and his ex? I mean, we saw it play out pretty noticeably in, um, in the last episode, um, in the last third of the pilot, we saw a lot of them going back and forth, um, and here in the cave, uh, we see we, we see kind of the continuation of it. I wouldn't say it's developed to a point where we're getting the further depths of it, but I just think it's interesting that Optimus is really this personal thing for Megatron that's impeding his professional goals. It's a very, very sort of... It feels like a very real con- conflict, and it definitely feels like it's something... Like a very classical story, almost, Yeah, and also, I wrote about Optimus and Megatron that Megatron, it just seems to be a reoccurring theme that Megatron is still trying to get under Optimus's skin. Mm. And Optimus is always just, like, trying to not ca- not have it. Yeah. No, Optimus, is, Optimus has moved on. Yeah. Uh, he's moved on to Ironhide. Yeah, baby! <laughs> That's what I wanted to start this episode with, because it's what the literal episode starts with. I want to mention the truly iconic um, dialogue exchange where in the first battle of the episode, Megatron is like, who will take care of me? Yeah. <laughs> Prime is like, I will, Megatron. Oh, God, he does say I will, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Um, I, yeah, and one last point is that throughout this episode... It's on, it's pointed on more actually for the first time where it sounds like Optimus has thought that he's gotten rid of Megatron multiple times. He sounds like someone who's thought that he's been done with his ex multiple times. And he just yeah. keeps coming back. Right. There's um, such a frustration in, in the in the vocal. <laughs> um but yeah, Ironhide and Optimus. Discuss. I mean Homeboy straight up cradles Ironhide. Um, <laughs> holds him in tender, loving arms. You can't mistake that for just, you know, guys being dudes. Prime risks his life for Ironhide, doesn't he? Mm. He, like, pushes him out of the way. He jumps in front of... Both happen in this episode. It starts with Ironhide risking his life for Prime, and he gets shot. Oh, right! And then later, Prime returns the favor by risking his life for Ironhide. And the episode starts with them watching the sunset together. Cliffjumper fucks it up, though. Cliffjumper, who's like, 
Decepticons. <laughs> He's a fucking shadow. I'll, I'll let it slide. He does have, we do have a case of Transformers PTSD in this episode. Which, very fair. It's all they've been through. Do we have any more we want to talk about Ironhide and... No, yeah, actually, yeah, we do, because I want to talk more about Ironhide and Optimus. I want to talk about Ironhide. I like Ironhide. Oh, yeah, no, we know. We know. Hey, you like Ratchet. Hey, shut the fuck up. Ratchet is a sweetie in this episode. He doesn't exactly have a he doesn't exactly have a relationship. He's just a sweetie. He's uh, sweetie. if you'll excuse me, I believe that he does some repair on Bumblebee. Um, that is pretty intimate. It, it's, yeah, it is. There's a there is an insert of um of Ratchet's um well equipment is 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 not the proper word. <laughs> I suppose it's the only word I want to use now. Um, <laughs> There's an insert of Ratchet's equipment assisting Bumblebee, and, uh, I, I can't lie, my breath quickened. I love Bumblebee's face when he's just laying there. Yeah. I, I know that Ironhide is, like, the person with the, like... Not a person. <laughs> God fucking damn it. I think I said person earlier, too. Yeah, but it's funnier to correct me. <laughs> Ironhide is the robot, I think, with the- Robots are guys. Hashtag robots are guys. Um, I think Ironhide is the character who gets, like, the third most or fourth most screen time in the entire series. And that makes me really happy, because it, it should mean that we get a lot more Optimus and Ironhide moments. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out since, you know, much like Megatron and Soundwave, they're in a sort of uh, uh, boss-employee dynamic, fundamentally. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how the color power dynamic shifts. Yeah. Uh, and, and, how, and how that plays out in parallel to Megatron and Soundwave. Those are going to be two interesting things to look at. Um, compare and contrast, I guess. Mm-hmm. Definitely a thing we should keep our eye on. Um, there were no, were there no animal buddies? There was Laserbeak. Going there was a lot of Laserbeak, and I really loved it. <laughs> Laserbeak is so stupid looking. He's not aerodynamic at all. He's just like a box with wings that are stationary. We should just have a segment called uh, Genevieve's Animal Watch. <laughs> Genevieve's Animal Planet. <laughs> Genevieve's Wild Kingdom. <laughs> I almost picked Laserbeak as my crush of the week, but I was like, I'm not attracted to him. I just, I just love appreciate him. him. So uh, he's my honorable mention. Well, didn't Ravage attack Bumblebee as well? Oh yeah, he oh, did. Yes. And he was uh, standing next to Spike at the end, like, <laughs> guarding him, I guess. Laserbeak is a good, he's a sweet little bird boy, and he, um, yeah. <laughs> I love the way he, when he flies back over into the ocean, um, he kind of, like, does a bunch of little somersaults like he's a seagull, but he's just a box. <laughs> With stationary wings. And just kind of jet propelled. Yeah. 
What if we saw in an episode Laserbeak eat a real fish? <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Do y'all want to... We're at about 20 minutes right now. Y'all want to move to the... To our final three sections? Uh, I got a question, uh, for the, for the group. Yeah. Who do you think Spike likes more, Bumblebee or Jazz? Oh. That's a good question. Oh my god, in my notes I say, uh, uh, Spike hopping around. Cause, to be honest, I do think they'd make a really, really cute polycule. Like, full stop. Um... But True. Spike does ride in, but yes, David is right, he rides around in both, and he has different experiences in each, both of which seem to satisfy him pretty, pretty, uh, pretty definitively. What do you think he likes more? And I guess Hound's just out of the equation now, huh? Hound is outski, baby. Hound had that abrasive military attitude. It was kind of hard, I guess, to gel with for Spike, who's a boy. A soft boy. <laughs> He's just a little boy. He's a boy that writes in a diary. <laughs> um, well, okay. About his diary. Uh, that... I think he likes Bumblebee better, but I don't know if I'm just being swayed by the fact that they spend more time together in this episode. Yeah, now here's the thing, right? I know over the course of time, we will get more of Spike and Bumblebee. But God, I like Jazz and Spike. I I like Jazz and Spike too. I think they're I think the show is pushing more for Bumblebee by giving them these like actiony moments. But really, it's the simple stuff like Jazz uh, boosting the volume of the song that Spike likes in traffic. Right. That's a good point yeah. Them just sharing them just sharing uh, a moment together. Yeah. Speaking about this in a romantic sense, Bumblebee is a terrible boyfriend. He just leaves... <laughs> Go off. Go <laughs> I off. I have some stuff to say. Um, when they're trying to flee the Decepticons and Bumblebee completely forgets that he's a Transformer, I guess, for a second. And he's like... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Spike's like, I wish our luck would change, and Bumblebee goes, change? That's it! <laughs> he remembers he can change into a car. God, much like Bumblebee, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but then they start running, and he doesn't even open the door for Spike, and Spike is just Oh yeah, he leaves him behind! In... Spike is somehow running as fast as a car for a good while. He doesn't even let Spike in. Yeah. That's right. Um, Bumblebee's a himbo. What? <laughs> What's a himbo? Uh, in conclusion. That's a male, that's a male bimbo. So you, I guess, David. Oh. <laughs> okay. I also found it funny how they tried to tie in the fact that they're in a riverbed. <laughs> Spike's like, let's just drive down into that riverbed when they can't find the Decepticons. <laughs> like... So now that so now that Spike has gotten now that Spike has gotten into a scrape with Bumblebee, will that strengthen their relationship as they go? Or will Spike hold a grudge 
for Bumblebee being a careless himbo. I think their relationship will stay strong because even as he was getting left behind, Spike was like, Go Bumblebee! Go Bumblebee, I love you! <laughs> Don't worry about me! Bumblebee, I love you! He said. So I, I don't think Spike's upset about the situation. I'm sorry for saying what I said with so much contempt. Am I jealous? <laughs> Spike said. David's looking at Bumblebee and Spike and like mumbling to the computer, God, I want what they have. Bumblebee, more like Bubble Buttle Bee. More like Bumble what? Me, am I right? Alright, you did a better one. Yeah, Tisha did a better one. Yeah, you did a better one. Yeah, I did a better one. Do we want to jump into uh, our segments? Yeah, I, I, I think I think we should. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ready. There's, there's something else you want you want to cover. I mean, if you want to talk about like the motif of like uh, of manual repair as like an intimate as like an intimate thing. Um, there's not much really to discuss about that. I just think that that's an interesting like substitute for like actual moments of like physical like touching. Mm-hmm. Um, like how. You, like, you get, like, a tender moment out of, like, Ironhide being repaired, or a Bumblebee, uh, being repaired. I don't know. It's just sort of this interesting, um, it's this sort of interesting visual idea that's just, like, the writers are figuring out, like, how do we show moments of, like, physical closeness with the added obstacle of everyone's a robot, and the answer is that they found this sort of poetry in the physicality of the mechanisms and mm-hmm. this idea of healing uh, by way of that contact. Yeah. Yeah, there's something... Uh, yeah, just... Because mm. it is a war, and just the kind of like physical parts of that. I don't know. I agree. Yeah, no, no, that, that, was, that was the only thing that was sort of Okay. What's uh, our... Oh, go ahead. They also really care about each other. Um, like, Prime cares deeply about all his Autobots. And um, when... Is it Cliff... Cliff Jumper is the first one who gets hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And Gears is like, no. but he's getting away! And Prime is like, nah, man, Cliff Jumper's out we gotta no it's iron high but uh, they're both red oh <laughs> they're both red cars <laughs> oh it is iron hide um is gears the one who complains yeah okay so i got that right yeah <laughs> and now it's time for our first segment of the week otp one transformers pairing or we pick two transformers of any kind and decide which ones that we'd like to see Bone, like there's no tomorrow, no yesterday, no today, no day at all, just bone in time. We're beginning with David's. Um, it's gotta be Ironhide and uh, Optimus. I'm stealing the good one. Uh, <laughs> you deserve it. I just, I love that. I love. <laughs> I don't deserve it, but thank you for saying so. Um, I'm just. You don't, you don't take an insult. You don't take a compliment. Just. 
Take. I'll take it right up the ass. Um. <laughs> Anyways, Genevieve. <laughs> so uncomfortable. Uh, my. So I'm pretty sure this is a typo. I wrote two options in my notes, and uh, the option I'm going with, according to my notes, is Megatron and Megatron. <laughs> But what that's supposed to be is Megatron and, uh, Shockwave. <laughs> weird self-love fantasy You know, you may have... <laughs> you used the wrong equation, but you did get the right answer. <laughs> like that Lizzo song, like, soulmate, like, I'm gonna marry me one day. <laughs> True love finally happens when you're by yourself. Um, but yeah, I'm- I pick- Fuck! <laughs> Shit! So my OTP is Megatron and Shockwave. Um, I just- I love their dynamic this episode and how pleased they are to see each other and how they seem to be each other's uh, only solace in the situations they're in. <laughs> Uh, that's a good pick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna be a basic bitch. Um, I'm gonna go. Um, I think I think David. Um, I think David's assessment is absolutely valid here. Optimus and Ironhide are fantastic. Hey, go off on it a little bit, cause I didn't I, I didn't say nearly enough, and I want to hear more from you. So let's so go off on it. Well, I just think Queen. that you know when we look at all of Optimus's traits. He's paternalistic. He, um, he's forgive. He's forgiving. Uh, he is, he takes initiative. And then we look at um, at Ironhide, who is hospitable, who is um, who abides by a code of honor. I mean, it all just sort of seems to fit right in place. I mean, we could talk all day about opposites attract, but ultimately just as valid a policy is birds of a feather flock together. I guess in this case, birds are bots um, and feathers are um, wheels? I don't know. The metaphor's gotten off track, but the bottom line is that uh, they're fucking cute together. Did you know that original metaphor goes birds of a feather flock together until the cat comes? <laughs> uh, I, I, I did not. Um, is that, is that supposed to be some sort of gay panic thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's something like that, where it's like the half of it was like cut off. Or is it like, or is that like, is that the earliest version of Bros Before Hose? <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I think it's saying don't like follow the crowd and do whatever, uh, because if That's you're all- where the cat's gonna go. Yeah, because if you're with the crowd, then the it's gonna, gonna go get to the you group too. Of big birds. <laughs> no, shut up! No, shut up! Because Jeremy put the image of my head of multiple big birds from Sesame Street being in the same place at the same time. And I can't deal with that mental image. Like seven, like like twenty big birds. I can't deal with it. I'm sorry I told you to shut up. I'm over it. 
Jordan's gonna leave the podcast. <laughs> I threatened to leave like six times now. <laughs> Next segment. <laughs> um. Next segment is the auto crush of the week, where we pick uh, one Transformer that we would like to write their names alongside ours in our own personal diaries. Um, so we're going to start with Gigi this time, since David's talked long enough. <laughs> My crush this week is someone we haven't mentioned much, and that is Gears. The, uh, the little guy with the chubby cheeks. I love him. Oh, I, are you picking a, a, a tiny transformer? I'm, I'm picking a mini bot. Oh, what a <laughs> Again! Wow, what a surprise. <laughs> I love the little guys. Um, I didn't know... small boy. I couldn't figure out... Or I couldn't remember his name when I was watching the episode the first time. And so I wrote down... Fat fucking face. <laughs> I gave myself an option again, and I wrote down shockwave or fat fucking face. <laughs> um, I love, I just love how his wide little face, his chubby cheeks, his cat ears, and uh, Gears is really just an emo boy. You know, he hates Earth, he's never happy, and that's really what I look for in a partner. <laughs> okay, Jordan, who's your crush of the week? Um, so, I, I guess it would have been an obvious pick to go to go back to uh, my big pink boy, Shockwave. So I, um, so I'm just gonna zag on him, and it's Jazz. Um, Ooh! I think Jazz is great boy is a great boyfriend material, and we don't get too much of him. But I like the flavor that he adds to the Autobot pool. There's something about Jazz where there's a liveliness, there's a vitality there. Everyone else can be so austere and so military. Jazz is decidedly not that. Jazz is sort of like the like the gay party boy of the group. <laughs> And while I'm not that sort of person, I am kind of attracted to that quality in others because it can get me to bring out my fun side. And I do have a fun side. I do have a fun side. <laughs> um, actually, I really wanted to compliment you on your pick because I think Jazz definitely got overlooked in this episode. I, I'm really all about, you know, the un un underrated, um, the underrated Transformers. <laughs> Um, so my pick, poor Shockwave, gets, for being, for showing up and being like, I'm here, he gets nothing in the crush segment, cause it's gotta go to Ratchet for me this week, cause what wow! a, <laughs> oh my goodness, what a sweet boy he was in this episode, just fix, incredible, what a change in heart from you. In the last episode, you were all in on Ironhide, and you are calling Ratchet a recolor of Ironhide. Very mean of you, by the way. Still haven't forgiven you. <laughs> um, I'm a changed man. I've seen what Ratchet it can be. I've never been happier. That's a lie. I've been happier. But this is pretty good. Um, He's such a sweet boy. I still love Ironhide. I think physically I'm still most attracted to Ironhide. 
But, uh, God, Ratchet's just such a nice, sweet boy in this. And I love it. I love it. It's great. Um. I absolutely love to see it. You'll love to see it. Let's go to our final section of the week. Sounds great. We'll jack off to that later, where we pick the single sexiest moment of any given Transformers episode. I'll start this one off. Now that we're, um, now that David and I are, are brothers in the Ratchet Appreciation Society, uh, I feel no, um, no compunctions about saying that the hottest moment uh, of the episode to me was Ratchet's uh, healing of Bumblebee with the accompanying dialogue line, this might get a bit hot. Indeed it did. <laughs> oh, that's a good pick. Although I'm going to have to uh, submit something else to the Midnight Society I here. Iron Hide, I'm throwing a chair at you digitally. <laughs> You'll be happy to know it's not Ironhide. It's it's gotta be Jazz and Spike listening to jazz, like actual jazz, on a cruise through the city. The combination of That's jazz and Bumblebee put this awful cursed image in my mind of Transformers go going you like jazz from the B movie. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. It's just bad images all around. Just terrible. Um. What if Bumblebee was voiced by Jerry? S- <laughs> you've said that in place of your uh statement in this segment because we got to end the episode now (laughs) no um i just like that they're listening to jazz on a cruise going through the city just like yeah him and spike it's a nice time it's a nice date isn't it it's a good date it's a hot date it's a date that makes that makes a nice moment out of traffic. Mm-hmm. I once went on a date to the Savannah Jazz Festival. I guess it was a date, but it was really terrible. So what's your what's your uh what what will you will jack off to later? I'm gonna jack off Ironhide's sweet ass when he turns around. <laughs> Woo! I wasn't There's expecting sh- the Ironhide call out to come from not me yeah i'm gonna be a a basic bitch but there's a shot where they're in the cave um i can't remember if they're facing megatron or just the decepticons but ironhide like turns around and he has this great he goes (laughs) i'm reenacting it (laughs) somewhat he goes into the audio medium you're gonna have to describe (laughs) it Here, okay. Hold on. She's okay. They're standing up. He goes into this. Okay, You're very so, far from the mic now. So this is what Ironhide does. <laughs> so he's like... Just kind of did like a pinpoint turn and point is what and Genevieve And his ass did. is out. His ass is what? His ass is out. And uh, it was breathtaking. <laughs> There's a lot breathtaking about this situation, for sure. Oh, God. Contrapo- is that contraposto? It, uh, sin- <laughs> uh, contraposto would be uh, with one leg extended. 
I don't know this terminology. Both. Ah, I don't remember. But the bottom line is that there was a pivot, and you, and you felt the presence of cheek. Contrapasto is usually served with basil and uh, pine nuts. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> That's gonna do it for us today on Robots and the Guys. You can follow me on Twitter at Elefante Triple One. That's E L E F A N T E Triple One. I do mostly film postings, but there's other stuff as well. Gigi, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me at at Gigi Vines, spelled with E's. GG with E's, not I's, you fuckers. And, and I'm on, on Instagram, Twitter. I think that's it. <laughs> My website. website. <laughs> David, where can people uh, go to dunk on you? Uh, you can dunk on me at uh, on Instagram at one kiddotick one, or uh, you can dunk on me on YouTube as, uh, as David Thorpe. It's just David Thorpe. It's just David Thorpe. It's just David. <laughs> it's just David. All right. That's, that's your next podcast. For uh, thanks very much for listening in, and stay tuned for the very next episode. We'll be covering the very fifth episode of Generation One of Transformers. Fantastic! I'm gonna cut. That's in to guys. Robots are guys. It's a useless. It's a useless effort. It's futile, really.